What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 232 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman and Matt Deitch. What's up, dude? Hey, not much, man. Yourself? Ah, living. I hear you. Just living. Yeah, it didn't melt this weekend, so I think the hot stuff is behind us now. Thank freaking God. I'm I'm done with the the extreme heat like that. Oh, I'm way over it. Way over it. Give me some, you know, I enjoy the warm weather, but give me some, you know, 60 degree weather, some 70 degree weather, and I'll be happy for a while. Yep. I just hope that we actually have a fall. It feels like these last few years, no falls, no springs, we go from... 30 to 90 and then 90 back to 30 yep. so give me uh give me a couple days of 75 degrees you know uh you know maybe cool down overnight uh, that's that's what i'm looking forward to football weather is what i like to call that's it that's exactly what little we football call it. weather little football weather yep. this stuff of sweating out there like i'm sweating just as much as the kids are sweating at yeah. practice ain't F good. that noise yeah like, that noise that's not why i signed up to be a coach <laughs> that's right <laughs> i'm right. out there working as hard as the kids <laughs> yeah uh, episode 232 brought to you by Dakota Angler, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Find them up there on the north side of Sioux Falls um, or go online, www.dakotaangler.com. Use code DIRTBAG for a little bit of extra savings. And uh, this week uh, they're talking uh, they're talking some Walleye Nation creation death jigs are back in stock. Uh, Josh, let me know that chatterbaits are, oh, yeah. they've all got the orange tag on they them. And you know the what orange the orange tag. tag means? That means get in there and buy them up. Bet your bottom dollar. Um, I could go and drop a freaking paycheck on those goddamn <laughs> things. Good <laughs> God. I want to buy all the chatterbaits, nothing else, mm-hmm. just chatterbaits. But, uh, um, they're also talking a lot about the Dakota Angler Ice Institute. Did you see that Fargo is no longer having their show? Really? So uh, now, I mean, even more of a reason to get down to Sioux Falls uh, at the beginning of November. Yeah, don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> Come on down. You That's know? right. Uh, Striker uh, announced that they're going to be there. Aquaview is going to be there. Uh, Thalman's Guide Service, Jesse Thalman. If you want to know about big bluegills up there in Minnesota, check out Jesse. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's all happening. It's happening fast. Uh, getting getting closer to the Ice Institute. And a couple I'm kinda, months away already. I'm getting a little jacked believe. up about it. Uh, we're we're not going to make any decisions right now. But I'm thinking maybe one of the nights, maybe. Uh, Maybe Saturday night after the show, maybe uh, maybe two twelve and Brandon uh, have a little meetup. Yeah, something like that. A, uh, see if see if everyone wants yeah. to go and get some wings. Uh, I'm gonna be fresh off of the Biggest Loser Challenge uh, ends won. October thirty, so you're gonna uh, just be yep. ready just to down them. Yep. So uh, I don't know. We'll All figure. that hard work and put it back on. Yep. That's right. <laughs> in one cheat night, meal. one cheat damn meal. night. Cheat meal. Nope. Uh, my whole life's been a cheat meal. <laughs> but uh, no, nope. Dakota Angler, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, if you can't get in there to the store, if you're from Wisconsin, if you're from up in northern Minnesota, if you're from North Dakota, uh, go online www.dakotaangler.com. Use code Dirtbag, and you'll be happy that you did. Yeah, even just call them up if you want to know the latest bite or anything like that. What's happening in southeastern South Dakota, northwest Iowa, or southwestern Minnesota? Just call up the shop and harass them guys a little yep. bit too. I mean, give Josh something to do during the day, you know. Yep. So. When they say hello, Dakota Angler, just say what's up, Dirtbag. Dirt bag. <laughs> 
And he'll just it'll make him think for a second, like, who is this? It yeah. doesn't sound like Scott or Matt. Yep. Maybe it's uh who knows, but Don't no. ever tell him your name. Yeah, Don't ever exactly tell him. Exactly right. But definitely uh yeah, get in there, check out all their deals because there's so much to that we can't even go through them all on here. Um, Follow them on Facebook. Yep. They're, Todd Todd does a really good job at posting the deals all the yep. time. The two-minute report, all that yep. stuff. The two minute. I like it. The two-minute, like it's like the six-minute two-minute two <laughs> report or something I like, like that. that. So, I like that. Always covering stuff. And not only are they talking fishing, I mean, they'll talk ice safety on their open water stuff, you know, different things, aquatic, you know, invasive species yep. things. So uh, a lot of information there as well. I like it. Uh, I mentioned it here just a little bit ago, but, uh, the Dakota, uh, Dakota angler, the Midwest angler podcast, biggest loser competition officially kicked off this morning. Uh, I believe we've got 15 of us in it. Yeah. Nice. 15 of us in it. Um, uh, we, I, I talked about it the last couple of weeks, but, uh, it's going to be an eight week deal. I'll kind of give, uh, you know, maybe next week I'll give a little bit of, a uh, an update, uh, um, but. We got a we got a fun group of dudes in there. We've got a Facebook page where the banter's been going pretty good already. So uh I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Uh I had a I didn't I I don't I don't ever eat breakfast, but I didn't have my Gardettos at uh at nine thirty break, didn't drink a pop all day long, uh had a salad for lunch and had a salad for supper and uh I've officially lost vision in my right ear. <laughs> There's a good chance I ain't going to wake up tomorrow. Uh, people better be getting be careful around you. They might start looking like a pork chop and stuff yeah. like that. You just you know start getting that. We really should have something like if you guys, I don't know, like you said, 15 of you. If you, you know, maybe have like a a goal weight for like the whole group to lose as well you yeah know? yeah it'd be, be kinda, i mean it'd be, be kind of cool to have like a challenge like that maybe if you guys all lost like a certain amount we could donate some money or something like that yeah. to a charity or something you know just throw something some to things think out. about something to think about you know not only are you doing it for yourselves but you're also doing it for you know we got some pretty other. big boys in this group oh, man you better put that number high because oh, right yeah i'm good it's We're gonna a, come off two uh, two pick six already sent me a picture of what his after picture is gonna look like. And he I, sent me if, that too. If he thinks he's gonna be that skinny, uh, yeah, more power to you, bud. Yeah, if you just quit eating right now, and, <laughs> but yeah, you going on yeah. naked and afraid? I don't know. I'm, I'm really afraid that you're naked. So, <laughs> oh man. All right, uh, this week uh, we got Rich Lindgren on the show. Um, We've, we've had Rich on a few times, so if you don't know Rich, uh, go back uh, to some of our earlier episodes and, and uh, you can hear a little bit about more about Rich and, and himself. But uh, uh, this week, uh, we're going to have Rich on to kind of recap the uh, 2023 Elite Series season and uh, kind of dive into uh, you know some of the things happening in, in the bass fishing industry. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll roll over, over there. Roll over to Rich. And hella bass, Rich Lingren is our guest tonight. Rich, how are you? Good. How are the how are the my favorite dirt bags tonight? Not too bad. And you know, we're not your favorite dirt bags. You're one of our favorite dirt bags. Remember that. <laughs> we're the we're the host here. Nobody gets to call us dirt bags. Like nobody puts baby in a corner. Nobody calls us dirt bags. <laughs> yeah. My Snapchat label says otherwise. Yeah, that's I know that. true. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. 
Now, uh, I, I'm sure you probably didn't think uh, we'd ever invite you back on. You know, I, I booked you full well knowing uh, you were going to pour it on me pretty thick tonight. <laughs> I thought we were doing like a fantasy recap. That's why you were calling. Uh, oh. Right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you did kind of, we'll, we'll say it, we'll admit it that Rich, you You earned your pundit status yep, this year. Yep, he was the top in the Midwest Angler Podcast fantasy fishing group. So, Did you, you win your remember, group too? Do you guys remember calling me out in the middle of the season asking me if i should be a pundit or not oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah we knew we'd, we had to do that it's like a good coaching move right there it's kind of like at halftime and it's just like i use it a lot we're like you know if they scored 30 points in the first half we can score 30 points in the first half so you know you're welcome for giving you the pep talk is really what we should be saying poking the bear yep. yeah you were just kind of sandbagging the first half of the season weren't you it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I'm not a runner, so <laughs> I'm still. Well, you might be now with the uh, Biggest Loser Challenge, right? Yeah, you know, there's always that chance. There's He's already that looking chance. slimmer over here. So, <laughs> dude, I had two salads today. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. Not happy about it. So, if anybody hears a loud thump, that's, yeah. Uh, Scott passing out low blood sugar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Rich. Uh, well, we're going to get this uh, started with a couple of random questions before we get into the fishing talk. So I want to know, what is the last movie you watched? Uh, Sound of Silence. Sound, Sound of, of Silence. Silence. What's that one? It wasn't actually that long ago. It was uh, my kids, my girls wanted to go to the Barbie movie, and I wasn't going to sit in that. So that was the only other thing showing, and it was actually a pretty moving movie. It was. Uh, is that that sex trafficking one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Kind of a, a guy that like was in the federal government that was like his specialty, and then he took it above and beyond. And, and I, I think it was based on a true story for the most part. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I recommend it. Yeah, like, I, yeah it's, that, it's not like not uh, not uh, like a fun date night movie, but like you know, if you're looking for something that actually is impactful and well done, it's it's a good flick. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot to... of people talk on Facebook about how good that is and how everyone should go and see it. Yeah, probably don't want to take a girl on a blind date there. <laughs> <laughs> first time you meet her. Yep. I guess uh, my question is going to be, uh, what was your first car? Nice. Ooh, I think for just a moment, we had a Ford Escort, but the one that I identify as my first car was a uh, 80, I think it was an 89 S10 two-door blazer. Oh, nice. hell yeah. The two-door blazer, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 2.8 manual transmission, you know, that classic, like, blue with, like, the, the gray stripe down the side of it. Yep. yep. Oh man, you just you just went up a couple notches in my book, Rich. I was I was thinking for sure you were going to come with like a Chrysler LeBaron or something. I was really thinking an El Camino, you know, just because of the whole visor thing. You yeah. know, everybody else can have a truck with the topper. He's got the vi- yep, he's got the El Camino. True. It's kind of like the visor. El Camino of is vehicle. the visor of the of the pickup industry. <laughs> so just, just imagine me like pulling my nineteen foot Aries to the boat ramp. With the manual transmission in that blazer. Oh, yeah. There's nothing. I do in one hand a sausage burrito, somehow shifting and steering a manual transmission all at the same time. Yep. Running on two hours of sleep. I like that. I, like I that. don't know if there's anything worse than trying to do the manual transmission, you know, back in a boat down the, oh, down no the ramp. It takes, it's an art form, that's for sure. No, I wouldn't I do it. I don't know if I could still do it or not, but I used to be able to. Mm, that's yeah. all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> 
All right, Rich. Uh, well, obviously, uh, with the Bassmaster Elite Series wrapping up here a uh, um, couple weeks ago, uh, we wanted to get you on the show and, and just kind of talk over uh, this last uh, 2023 season and uh, how our Midwestern guys uh, did. Um, you know, going into the year, obviously, you know, Seth Fighter would always be considered uh, one of the favorites, and he had, uh, you know, I'm sure even by his standards, uh, not great season. Um, you know, guys like Jay Shakurit, who we figured would have a good season, did have a good season. But, you know, then there's some guys, you know, kind of uh, like Pat Schlopper, who just kind of had a quiet season. You know, you never really heard a whole lot about him. But uh, all of a sudden, he ends up 19th in, in AOI. And it's like, man, he was doing way better than what I really realized. Yeah. And, and maybe you were realizing it the whole entire time. But, you know, as I'm going over this, uh, you know, tonight, it was like, son of a gun, like, Man, he had a really good year. Obviously, Austin Felix is always uh, good in twenty second. Bob Downey in twenty ninth. But uh, do you think this, uh, you know, this year's fisheries did that set up good for Midwestern anglers? Yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was a pretty normal year. I think you know they did have three northern events, which is a third of the season, so it should play into the northern anglers a little bit. It's probably a little more. It's probably too biased to the north, honestly. Really, based on like the geography of the country and where most bass anglers are. I'm not sure that they should have more than two <laughs> yep. northern events. Yeah, but that, that's what they've been doing. And uh, but you know, it's you know, I don't think this schedule was that much different than last year. I mean, in, in its entirety. And the guy for like Kyle Welcher was I don't remember what he was last year, but he was probably he was out of the classic. I mean, right, he was right. Seventies, seventies, eighties last year, and then he's first this year. So it, it can happen to anybody. I mean, you know, you have a guy like Hank Cherry. You know, he wins two classics and he doesn't requalify. And the only way he requalified for the second one is because he won the first, first one. one. So yeah. right. it is really up and down. And it's you know there are some guys that are really consistent every year, but even those consistent guys have an off year every now and then. Do you think that's all in a in a guy's head, you know, after, you know, you get to the first tournament and you get into a bad rotation or, you know, you just, uh, uh, you know, have a couple fish shake off and, and whatever and you just kind of, the, the whole entire year ends up being a spin out? Is, is that what it is or is it just, you know, think, things happen? I think it's a little bit of mental and sometimes good or bad fortune and then how you react to it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, Paul Nick, the one year he won, right. He started with like a hundredth place finish, but then after that he was, you know, just killed it. Right. But there's some guys that get off or the, the season starts going in the wrong direction. And they just never can quite get it back on the tracks. You know, it's kind of like when you're driving in icy weather here in the upper Midwest, sometimes, you know, you can kind of get her back on the road. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just take her right in the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. It is. So, crazy. And it's, that's kind of how seasons go. And, and it kind of happens. I mean, you know, myself personally, like I've cashed a few checks this year. I haven't won any tournaments. It's been okay. like by some people's standards, be okay, but I'm not like happy with it. But there's other years where I can't like, you know, I can't put my boat in the water without, you know, somehow cashing a check one way or the other, it seems like. But this year's a little off and I don't know if I'm really doing anything different or just, you know, you kind of get confidence and things roll your way. And sometimes your confidence is a little shaken and it, it doesn't. You see that in all sports, right? I mean, you know, guys that get on heaters in baseball or whatever, right? Do you think they're any – did they actually get any better or worse? It's, it's Most of this stuff is confidence and, and mental. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and with the whole fishing world too, and with like anything, you really don't know what's going on like behind the scenes in their personal lives. I mean, there right. could be a lot of other factors besides just going out there and just not playing catching them. I mean, you get a million things going through your brain, and I mean, all of a sudden, boom, you're missing bites, and yep. I mean, you just don't know. And maybe in a tournament, you were driving back to the ramp, and you lost the lower end, and you didn't get back in time for weigh-in and i mean that can really throw your tournament for a, a spin as well oh yeah yeah bill bill's yeah. at home and family's at home and right you know, it's just who like, knows you know sponsor commitments you're running around all over the place not getting the pre-fishing in that you really want to get in but i mean yeah there's a lot of things that are not on the surface that people don't see yeah and they talk about like the baby thing right like last year Polnick had a baby during the season Walter and his of its wife or girlfriend or whatever it is they're about to to have a baby and you know for every one of those that they talk about like how it's a good thing i'm sure there's just as many anglers that are about to expect and it goes the other way right yeah. Like, yeah. oh yeah so like there's people that like uh have changes in their life and it can affect them positively like some people like when they need to cash a check because they're like don't have enough gas money to get home like that's when they like fish their best. There's yep. other guys that like they cannot fish with that kind of like strain on them, and there's a lot of that stuff going on for everybody. You know, family, work, outside influences, and some affect positively, and some affects negatively. Yep. Yeah. Now, how, uh, you know, last tournament of the of the season, you know, up on the St. Lawrence River. How uh, how surprised are you that uh, you know these Midwestern guys that you would have figured uh, you know would have done a little bit better, uh, just really didn't have the the tournaments that you would have thought. I mean, uh, you, you got guys like John Cox and Bill Lowen that are beating guys like Fighter, and and you know it's like what the world. Like in my mind, it's like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, the one that really shocked me was Polnick. Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. he only had one bad day, but he couldn't recover from it. Yep. Yep. You know, and I think you look at that track record, a lot of what people are basing, you know, the St. Lawrence on previous history was out of Waddington. Yep. And now they've been taken out of Clayton, and they fish much differently. Uh, when the lake's open, it's way different than when the lake's not open. And uh, that, that is just, it's almost a completely different fishery. So it didn't surprise me that Fighter didn't like crush him. I'm more actually surprised that Fighter didn't do well on Champlain. Yeah, that one was the one that surprised me. <laughs> but there is definitely a shift on how these northern events are, you know, being played, and that's definitely affecting some of the results. And even playing fantasy fishing towards the end of the year, I was definitely going less on historically on some of these northern venues and more about who I thought could exploit them with technology, honestly. And that, that kind of, there, there was a balance, but you definitely see people that, uh, you know, could leverage 360 front-facing sonar, other things better than others, and they were the safer picks for a lot of these events in the northern swing. So, so that's basically what you were basing your picks off of. You know, you, you went through and you picked the guys who you thought – could use their electronics the best. Especially after I saw Champlain get dominated, because I, I still thought Champlain was going to be the Champlain we saw last year, where there was still guys throwing crankbaits and topwaters and, and mixing in largemouth and things like that. And then when we saw it was that dominated, it's like, well, this is just a, this is a ball game up north. Yep. 
Now, is is it just a is it a different ball game altogether now? I mean, obviously, uh, uh, the season, like we mentioned, you know, got done two weeks ago, and it's like my social media has been nothing but, you know, ban forward facing sonar, ban ban forward facing sonar. You know, Caleb Koopfall comes out and makes a post about you know how he's against forward facing sonar. Gerald Swindle even goes out and and you know talks about it. Chris Zaldane got on Bass Talk Live and and you know I wouldn't say that he really came right out and said that he was against forward facing sonar, but he definitely wasn't for forward facing sonar. Um, you know I I don't know like you know Zaldane would have been a guy that I would have figured you know e- even though he's a veteran now still young guy you know could really uh, master some of this uh, forward facing sonar stuff and uh, you know obviously these last couple of years Zaldane's just not doing as good as what he was you know four or five years ago but uh, um, I mean is this is is this forward facing sonar or, or nothing now it's not but I think what we're seeing is recency bias right we're coming off three northern smallmouth events where it completely was, I mean, the last three events were dominated. There was yeah. maybe 10%, and maybe one guy in the top 10, maybe one guy in the top 15 or 20 that was fishing and not heavily relying on front-facing sonar. So I think when you end the season and you have a lot of guys that didn't have a great season, like Kulu Kufal, Kilo Kufal, he had a good season last year, didn't have a great season this year. He, he got you know curb stomped three events in a row, because that's not his wheelhouse. Yep. You have other guys that didn't have the season they wanted. You have a lot of fans watching that and going back to that thing that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of anglers that there's a lot of fans that don't like watching front facing sonar on live because it gets to be, it's not stimulating. It's not super engaging for a lot of people. Some people like getting into the minutia of it and want to like, you know, if they already have it and they're using it, Maybe they're like super tuned in to see like is he shaking his drop shot? Is he is he using a two inch minnow or a three inch minnow? Is he like right like what kind of drop shot hook is he using? Like like you know, but that's the minority. Yep. And then on top of that, there's actually I get a fair amount of comments on my YouTube channel that there's a lot of guys across the country that just don't like the small ball events because they can't relate. Guys right, from right. Alabama yeah. and Texas yep. and Louisiana, they're like they may or may never ever go up north in their entire life and experience you know what i would call great lake smallie fishing which is kind of what those three last events were for the most part and it's just completely unrelatable you know maybe once a year you see it and it's cool but after that it's like "Eh, i'm just bored with it like i i can't relate i'm not learning anything it's not exciting this can't relate and so i think that's you know kind of that those three four or five things all bubbling up and then you know in the day and age of social media everybody has a voice and everybody is chirping and everybody you know just it's it's easy to spout off and see it you know i was thinking today that like this probably isn't really that much different than like in kvd's wheelhouse you know back in the heyday when they would have like pickwick kentucky and chickamauga all in late may early june on the ledges and guys like kvd and timmy horton would just roll through everybody and have three top tens in a row in the middle of the season and maybe win one but you know, we didn't have Instagram and Twitter and yeah, right, yeah, you know, yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's you know all this stuff. So, <clears throat> but so I think it's all of those things together, and so it's, it's a lot of a recency bias. And now we're in the off season; we don't have anything to talk about other than a few Bassmaster Opens. Yep. But no. but 
I don't think it's going anywhere. No. <laughs> I get a kick out of the people complaining about how boring it is to watch on live. And it's like, we want to see casting. It's like, what's the difference of a guy, you know, sitting there on his trolling motor looking for a fish on his sonar and then casting to it instead of just watching a guy just randomly cast all over the place and not catching anything? I mean, everybody's like... It's like it's a fetish form or something like that is to watch freaking people cast all day long. It's like, well, if that's what you want, then, you know, I'll go live for you and I'll take you out. I'll go out fishing all day long and pay a subscription and watch me just cast all damn day. I mean, hell, I'll do it in a pond out in my backyard (laughs) or in a puddle. I mean, geez, it's no different than, too, you know, like those same people that are like, oh, it's so boring watching a forward-facing sonar-dominated tournament are probably the same ones that are loving the early season sight fishing tournaments i mean sitting there watching a guy try to catch a fish for half an hour it's really no different yeah and i think it comes down to you know i think everybody's okay with a smallmouth event you know and a betting event and then a grinder sabine event but nobody wants to see any of those things three events in a row well yeah maybe that's the you know what i mean like <clears throat> somebody's always gonna bit you know complain and yeah. beg and the, you're always going to have the vocal minority. So there's always going to be guys that are going to be like, oh, 12 pounds a day at the Sabine, that sucks. Oh, four guys, you know. But there is something about, like, the Great Lakes front-facing events where you have no trees. You just see, like, right? You see, like, Wide no, open. no no background. You just see water. Everybody's just floating. Nobody's casting. Everybody's, you know, and, and nobody's talking. So there is something to be, I think they have to figure out a better way to cover those events to make them more engaging, whether that's, you know, being more in the, the ears of the, the anglers or they got some kind of Bluetooth or some kind of mic or they have different camera angles where they're getting more of the screens. And obviously that could be sponsor conflicts that people have Garmin's and Lawrence's when they're presented by Hummingbird and Encoda, or do they just have to get more creative and get, you know, maybe some low angle front shot views. so you can see the angler's face when he's like talking and looking, you know, and just, you know, get some auxiliary cameras and auxiliary shots and mix things up. Uh, I think they just, they're going to have to get creative. And if, if Bass and MLF aren't, don't have a, you know, a team or some people assigned to like brainstorm and think about how to cover some of these events in a different way, they're probably missing out. I think you're 100% right though. They, they have to show the screen, what that angler is staring down at. And and like you say, you know, I mean, you get a guy like Chris Saldane, he even talked about it on Bass Talk Live, where uh, going into the this northern swing, he called uh, Humminbird and let him know, like, hey, guys, I'm – I'm, I'm throwing a garment on the, on the bow of my boat. Like the, it is what it is. And, uh, um, you know, I, but I, but I do think you're 100% right that they have to show that screen and, and, you know, not even the, the camera in the back of the boat, zooming in on the screen on the front of the boat. Like the, there's gotta be a way with all this money, uh, you know, that they can actually, uh, you know, th- throw up, you know, a, a little screen on the side that, that shows it. And, and I think that would be, that that'd be a whole lot more entertaining when you know you watch a guy that's got his head down trolling around, and all of a sudden it's like, whoop, there was something, and yep, oh yeah, and and you could watch the bait drop down to it, and and then maybe these these guys down south that are used to flipping you know baits in in three foot of water that that you know this is just totally out of their wheelhouse. Well, then maybe they are learning something. You know, is is there something? 
is, is I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's for sure the way. Well, yeah, I think that they need to show it, but I think that those guys would still just come, like Rich said earlier, they're always going to find somebody something to complain about. I think they're still going to complain and be like, now I'm watching a screen, and you know half those guys can't read their sonar anyways, and they're just going to bitch that, oh, I, I can't, I don't know what that is on the screen. It's like literally like that thing that's moving up and down, that's his lure, and you see that thing swimming at it, that's a fish. Yeah. But I, I don't know. And I think they have to like. There's, there's also this sentiment that, and I, and I see people in my comments all the time that think it's like the easiest thing in the world. Right. Oh to yeah. Fish on live sonar. And at times it can be, but there are other times like, and I don't think people realize that first day on Champlain when they're out there in three and four footers, to like try to like the skill track it a takes bait and the skill to deliver a bait and keep it uh, suspended above their head in three footers. You know, uh, you know, a fish that's 15 foot down and 40 feet of water, and to be able to make that presentation, and I mean, and so I think how how does Bass or MLF how can they cover that in a way that to show the skill and and what what what's the differentiator from a guy like Austin Felix that had a good event or um, Justin Atkins or or. or Fujita or somebody like that versus somebody else like Polnick who had a bad Champlain event who yep. was won there before, right? Like, you know, was it just area? Was it, you know, were they actually that much better? Was it bait? Like they got to just have to like somehow convey that and, and show a little more, get more creative with camera angles. Maybe we need some more, you know, out of the boat, you know, like in the old days, Bassmaster, like it wasn't guys just sitting in the back live, right? They would follow with other boats, right? And then you get more of like a side angle and, you know, I, I don't know, just <clears throat> are there ways, things we could do to mix things up to make it a little more interesting and more engaging and just, you know. Yeah. I, right. I mean, that's the way we're going. Like, I mean, like, you know, does it, do people watch YouTube videos? Do you want to see all chesty angle? Do you want to see all dash angle? Do you want to see all drone? No, you want to see like a mix of a well-done, put-together yeah. show. Yep. I think I think that they need to have heckler boats, <laughs> have a bunch of pontoons drive around. These guys want to, you know, they want to claim to be athletes and be treated like a professional yeah, I mean, like, sport. Have guys out there yelling at them like "You suck." <laughs> back in the day, FLW. I don't know if you guys remember this. Used to have like hat cams on the anglers, and they used oh, to yeah. have to wear these giant fanny packs to do that, right? And I'm sure technology's advanced where you could probably get some kind of a hat cam wireless, right? Like, and somehow, I mean, if <clears throat> How about that? Like, if you had one picture of, like, the guy's back, traditional, but then you had, like, a split screen of, like, his view, right, POV, of his, like, hat cam, like, that could be a really, you know, I just think yep. we've got to get more creative. I just think it's funny that all the Bass fans are sitting here like, this is boring, like, we don't like watching this. And all the walleye fans, when the NWT shows it, and these guys are using their forward-facing sonar, are like, wow, they're, like, really getting after it and, like, fishing for walleyes. I mean, they're making casts, and it's just, like, not just trolling don't, around. Don't so. don't kid yourself. It's, it's, it's coming there, too, well, because that's what these I mean. guys... It's just, these, like, these young guys on the walleye tours are kicking butt by using forward-facing sonar, and the traditionalists and the old fellas, they just aren't liking it because they can't get with the times. Well, I, I think over on the walleye side... There's a bigger gap between, yep. you know, I mean, when, when you look at, you know, there, there's only four, four slash five events in the NWT a year. And, uh, you know, if you look over the last 10 events, there's like four or five guys that are 
getting right. first or, or second yeah. or third place in every single one of them. And, and that's a little bit different than, uh, you know, over on the Bassmaster side. But, uh, um, you know, w- w- when you sit there and you think about a guy like John Cox who will flat out go out and fish without any electronics on his, on his uh, deck, and then you think of a guy like John Sokup who, you know, arguably should be one of the best forward-facing sonar guys, you know, in the – you know, in anywhere, I mean, he, he does it for a living and, and John Sokup finishes what third or fourth to last. And John Cox is, you know, I don't know, top, top 10, I believe. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that, that kind of just shows that it's not all about forward facing sonar, right? No, absolutely. It's, and that's, and that's why the whole like ban forward facing sonar, to me, this discussion is more about, uh, fan perception and the only people that really know the answer are the people that see the analytics on the lives right or bpt mlf and bass so and i would assume there's general ups and downs throughout the season right i'm sure their their viewership is greater in the the beginning of the season it probably generally tails off throughout the year as summer and school and things like that but you know what is the average view duration right like does does somebody tune in on average in the spring or in Okeechobee or Seminole or Sabine. And they on average watch 37 minutes of live versus if they tune into St. Clair, Champlain, St. Lawrence, and are they only watching 11 and a half minutes? I don't know, making these stats up, right? Right. Like, right. No, if, yep. if there is a considerable drop off where they're seeing less views and less average watch time and things like that, then that's where it's going to end up hurting them because that's, you know, that's what they're selling to these people that sponsor. And then if, if that's truly what's happening, then that's the only thing that's going to make a correction. And I don't think that correction comes in the form of getting rid of front facing sonar, but I think there are some potential other scenarios that haven't, like at least what I think they could do. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, to me, if they're true, you know, this is all assuming that there is a drop off and there is a correlation. Like I ran some polls and seen some things and it seems like there is a general, more of a dissatisfaction or less likely to watch on some of these northern smallmouth fisheries. And, and that's just kind of some unofficial polling that I've done with and with my viewer base, which is already a northern right, trended right. I have more people in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa than, than – yeah, but there are people all over. But So if that's true and that does correlate, to me there are a couple of things. One, back to like they need to get more creative and cover it in a more dynamic way. Two – I think scheduling is probably one of the biggest things they can do. They can, they can, you know, they can limit or restrict right front facings effectiveness throughout the whole season by how they schedule. Yep. Oh, very one hundred percent. If you put lacrosse in instead of Champlain, yeah, completely different ball game, no doubt right. about if it. You yeah. don't get to watch frogging and flipping. You know, eight out of the top ten guys in the top 10 flogging, flogging, flipping, swim jigging in between those two events, we're probably not having this conversation right now. Yeah, nope. totally they agree. probably thought Champlain was going to be that, but it, I think they probably got caught off guard. They probably right. thought that was going to be a nice mix up between St. Clair and St. Lawrence, but it wasn't. Um, you know, if, if, if we have, you know, Murray was a great event, right? Sure. Fujita was in the top 10, I think. And he seemed like the only one that was really like in the top 10, really, uh, you know, heavily on front facing sonar, but those guys are throwing top waters. 
and you know swim baits and you know all kinds of things crank baits like square bills sight fishing like it was a pretty diverse event like i don't think anybody complained about murray and how boring murray was this year a lot of people some people complain about sabine but there's a lot of guys that said sabine was their favorite event of the year as far as like because you know 12 pounds a day is really relatable to a lot of the country in the summer yeah (laughs) yeah, it is right (laughs) so you know i think if, if you got you know where, where have the Ozark lakes been? Where have, you know, where's the Arkansas river been? Where's the Potomac been? Where is the, you know, if you could skip, you know, you get a few more river events and some other fisheries. And <clears throat> I think you could, you could kind of schedule front facing dominance out a little bit in that. So I think that would be a tool, but then, you know, Bassmaster and MLF have to balance the, the almighty dollar of like, what is the fan viewership and, viewing experience worth versus what they're getting paid by the chambers of commerce to how host these cities and well, where's what who's got the bigger dollar and where does that you know i mean short term it's probably like the chamber dollars that's paying cities long term it's probably fans right well i mean obviously clayton and waddington are flipping some money because it's every single year and and i mean i like it don't get me wrong but i do think it's time to maybe take a take a year off yeah I, I don't right, know. Maybe that's why it's taken a little longer for the the schedule to come out this yep. year. I'm not sure. Well, right. hopefully they are like trying to adjust it. Like you said, it would be, you know, I love watching the smallmouth tournaments, but it would be like to have them boom, boom, boom like that. It's just kind of like, okay, it would be like a nice little change of pace to do something else. And I guess too, like what you said, like some of them tournaments too, where you can see the baits out there, the frogging, the the top waters and stuff like that, the shallow water stuff. Whereas you know, when you get to the, the deep water, Great Lakes stuff, and those guys are basically calling their shot, like, you know, oh, yep, here one comes. It's like that anticipation, too, is still, there's still something to be said about that when watching it on live. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think back to some of those, like, lacrosse tournaments where Todd Faircloth won the first time. Like, I can still see those frog strikes right. in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember... <clears throat> any drop shot catches or Ned catches from the St. Lawrence sticking out in my memory bank. <laughs> yeah, right. no, yeah, you're right. True. Yeah, you're one hundred percent right. And, uh, you see him pulling that frog across that slop, and all of a sudden it's just a massive explosion. And next thing you know, they're fighting that thing out of that heavy cover stuff. I mean, it. I can see where like the fans enjoy that more than just you know straight down staring stuff. Yeah, and like some of that herring spawn stuff, top waters. Yeah. You know, I guess you got to consider the angler too. You know, we're talking here about finishing off with three uh, northern fisheries. You know, it, these guys are already driving a long way, so you can't throw a northern fishery in, you know, earlier in the year and then drop down and, and you know, do something down south and then back up north and then back down south. You know, obviously they try to do it that, that uh, you know, when, when you're in one region, you're kind of staying in that region and, and slowly moving from – you know, from state to state or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe you can't end on, on the Northern swing. Obviously you can't be having the Northern swing in February, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe May is, is the time to, you know, go up there and then head back down and finish off down South. I don't know. And I think, you know, if you're going to be relatable, I mean, they kind of did it last year. I mean, they sent everybody from St. Lawrence to Oahe and then back to lacrosse. Right. Well, that's right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to me, you know, 
honestly, two out of two out of nine is probably about all you need in the northern swing. If you just look at the the demographics of their fan base, we're the minority up here. Right, we really are. So I think to think that a third of the season should be smallmouth is probably not relatable to their their subscribers. Yeah, it's probably they, a little biased. At least not every year, right? Like, oh right, they got to change it up. Right. So I think they that's one thing. So that's relatable. I think also front facing sonar is relatable to some, but not to others. So I think that goes back to scheduling. And I I I, I think there probably is time to start thinking about maybe somehow putting a cap on it. Like I don't know if it's the number of screens. I don't know if it's the number of transducers. I don't know if it's the total number right. of inches of screen. But I know it's a little bit of throwing the deck off the Titanic at this point, but like $120,000 bass boats are not relatable to many people. And I fully admit, I've got, you know, if I went and ordered my boat off the showroom floor the way I would rig it, probably would be $90,000 plus. So I already know that I'm less than relatable to like the mass, but like at some point we have to cap it to some degree. And I think if we can wrangle that in and then it just, we have to like not let the gap just getting further and further and further apart. And, uh, you know, I, so I don't think we're going to ban it, but I would not mind seeing like limiting to four screens or five screens or no more than four total transducers or, uh, you know, t- 50 inches of total screen or, or something just to kind of like cap. And I think for some of the rookies, like, I feel like it's gotta be hard for these, you know, these guys that like go through the EQs, some of them have money, some of them don't, you know, Again, the Bass Nation guys, the team trail guys, like, you know, you qualify for the elites and you're probably already dug yourself a pretty big hole to get there. And now you feel like you need like six units and, you know, just like something to just kind of like cap this off a little bit just to like, it's already out of control. And it's, you know, anything we can do to just kind of temper that a little bit, I think would be a move. And it's like, there's a reason bowling balls aren't the size of beach balls right there's a reason that we don't you know bats are limited to a certain diameter and they they don't increase the size of the driver heads on golf i mean like wrangling it in at some point right like at what point are we like you know 27 foot bass boats with 400 power you know (laughs) it's true i mean at some point right like this is a young sport we do have to like cap it somewhere right and i think this could be what maybe sparks that a little bit. I mean, we don't use 20 foot rods, right? I mean, there are some of that stuff already. So this is not unprecedented territory and uh, we should bring the A ring back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh-huh. honestly, I've, uh-huh. I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about that. You know, they're, they're talking, well, you know, you can ban forward facing sonar because they ban the Alabama rig and, and, you know, I mean, honestly, you kind of think about it and, and it's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I, I've never personally thrown one. I've never even seen somebody personally throw throw one. But uh, um, you know, yeah, I guess for me personally, I want to see these guys have the best equipment and and you know anything that's at their disposal. So I don't know. I think you're right. Bring bring it back. But but you know, hell, Keith Poche tried to do that, and everybody flipped the tit when he won a tournament with a 40 horsepower motor on a 17 foot boat. It's just like that's not. You can't do that because. I mean that's I mean there should be a horsepower like like mat, like a limit like you shouldn't be able to go under a certain amount of horsepower. Right. I think they're but saying that because of safety. That well, was right. that was why they said that safety. I mean I mean I I'm not talking about his latest like jump in the berm thing and stuff like that. But there was a few years ago like he won. You have one. to have a hundred. Is it hundred and fifteen horsepower minimum in Bassmaster tournament? 
or ninety. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around that. You know, does does it need to be relatable? You know, like I'm sitting here thinking about a NASCAR. You know, the average guy sitting at home can't afford the hundred thousand dollar bass boat, but they can't afford a NASCAR neither. Right. You know, I mean. And maybe that's why NASCAR's, but, you know, dropping in popularity. Maybe that, you know, maybe that's why dirt track racing is, you know, getting to be more popular because the average guy could possibly uh, afford a dirt track car, but there ain't no way you're affording a NASCAR. I, I don't know, you know. Dirt track, right? They don't, there's still carburetor checks and, you know. All right. The, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Still, oh, yeah. Like, there's like rules right? and different things. I mean, there's still rules so. and regulations and yep. restrictions to keep, and there's classes, right? So they're yep. like this class you I mean so that you know, only there's a natural evolution to the sport where we probably you know that goalie pads can only be so wide right like we're not going to get rid of it right front facing sonar electronics but can we cap it or wrangle it in so like maybe you can't do everything on your boat all the time but maybe you have to pick right like you can't you can't have a 360 screen and a mapping screen and a 2d screen and a Right, like, okay, you know what, guys, you actually have to think about this and maybe run a split screen between your map and your your three sixty. Oh, I I like the you know I like, I mean? like the thought of, if, of only if, having four if, screens. If you want to have a, a you know a, 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 a what's the uh, right the, the the landscape view right yep, versus right. the vertical view, you actually got to pull your shell number and change the transducer versus just having two screens dedicated one to each. Right, you know yeah, I mean? like, different transducer in the perspective <laughs> view, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you actually have to pick it up and move it and change it and then put it back down versus just having another seven thousand dollar unit on there so that you don't have to like switch back and forth. Like, I, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not know, saying we can't use right. it, but it's like. Well, I think that's what makes everybody so relatable to John Cox and why he's also grown in popularity too is because he has the one, you know, the one screen up front and the one at his console, and I mean. That's what most people like. You see that, and you're just like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Could I mean, literally I forget to turn it on all well, day. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, there's a lot of times where he does have him shut off. So, I mean, you know, he's in the aluminum boat. You know, it's just just kind of like, "Oh, okay." It, it gives like the common man like a little bit like, "Oh, I, I guess that you know it is pretty relatable for us too." Yeah, for sure. Like he's, but you know, to some degree, John Cox is an outlier. Well, like, he's yeah. Just that good. I don't well, know, right. Like, well, right. He just, yeah. Is there anybody? Is there anybody on the Bassmaster Elite Series this year, Rich, that you know of that flat out was not running forward-facing sonar? Besides John Cox. <laughs> Besides John Cox, correct. Uh, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> Nobody that I know for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, even even Poche, pretty sure he had one on his boat. Whether he used right. it or not, I'm pretty sure I saw like a a setup video of his. Uh, and I think it'd be more interesting to like, actually like if there was like parameters, right. on like, Hey, you can only have so many screens or so many inches. Then I think like when people do those walkthrough videos of their bass boats to actually see like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I, I set mine up this way because with our limitations, like, you know, 360 is important to me. So I want mine set up like this, or I'm, yep. I value this. So like, I think that makes that whole dynamic of how somebody like sets up a boat versus everybody just having six screens on their boat. It's just like, eh. Right. Yep. No, yep. Yeah, I, totally. I think I think you're on to something there with total inches of screen. You know, yep. you can you can decide how you want to do it. If you want to throw a bunch of little screens on or, or a couple big ones or whatever. But I think you're on to something on that one. Yeah. And I think that with some scheduling and, uh, you know, uh, you know, and bring back the A-Rig. And I, I'm not a big fan of like the, the like the, the double umbrella 10 hook unlimited. Right. But like if you land somewhere between one and three hooks. 
it's it's you know it's there is a bad look on some of those old rigs where they had like seven hooks on them where a fish would just be like hooked six times at the side <laughs> right. and they have a good look right. but like if you only have one like the minnesota rig or maybe the bfl rig that has three like it's not that big of a deal no. give them a tool if people want to use it like you know you know let's you know let's throw the double fluke rig let's uh you know give the guys some more tools and and then that's some of the stuff you can kind of like counteract some of the this front facing sonar stuff and then and, and, and have more options out there that and scheduling and i think you do all that and you can kind of course correct here and make things more a little more relatable to the fans and in the end right that's what we really still need to do is kind of like make this a spectator sport and that whole like going back to like making it more interesting to watch that goes back to all events, right? Like even the right. events that are throwing a buzz bait and a frog, like it's more interesting when they zoom in on the frog and give you a, a different look, right? Yep. It's not that interesting to just watch somebody's back regardless of what they're doing. So I think, you know, just anything they can do to, to make that a more interactive experience, get fans up and then get back to the real problem is, you know, why are pro anglers paying entry fees? And until we get to the point where like pros aren't paying for entry fees, we're not like a real, real sport. No, I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point too. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah. And, and not they're, they're big entry fees too. Well, right. It's not like oh, a couple hundred bucks. It's not like a freaking you yep. know, club tournament. Well, and, and, and the, yeah. and the pay has gone down, you know, I mean, or say flat, yeah, flat to down and entry fees have gone up and cost of expenses and, and doing all this has gone up. But I mean, there was a couple tournaments back in the day that that they'd get a million bucks, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, you know, a couple million dollar years for the FLW Cup and a few other one off tournaments, and then for a lot of years, both the Cup and the, the Classic were five hundred thousand. Right. And that eventually dropped to like three hundred thousand, and even like back in the old days, or not even the, I don't know, like the mid two thousands, like the FLW Tour would have like. You know, whatever their six event schedule, two of those events would be like Chevy Open or Walmart Open. Those would be two hundred thousand dollar events, and second place would be like a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah. So yeah, in general, <clears throat> that non endemics have left the, 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 the sport. You know, it's more, you know, playing for each other's money. I think a lot of the sponsor dollars go to like <laughs> run the organizations more than it goes to the payouts of the anglers. But I, I don't know what the books look like, but that, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. It's also gotten more expensive, right? The more demands, like the cost of live. Right. You know, the, the cost of putting on these tournaments is far greater than it was, you know, back in 2008 when we had to wait a month to see a one-hour TV show of yeah. an FLW or Bassmaster tournament. Yeah. You, I, you know, we really need to get some of those big non-endemics back into sponsoring, you know, the Walmarts, Coca-Cola, you know, and, you know, I mean, they're – there's not a ton of them, you know. I'm sitting here trying to think in my head, you know. Uh, Scott Canterbury had Quaker State. I that's just one that pops into my mind, you know. But uh, they hell, they he won Angler of the Year, yeah, yeah. He yeah. wins Angler of the Year and loses it. So, I mean, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, these, you know, I and that's one thing that we've got to remind ourselves of often is you know, we we want to compare bass fishing to the nfl and the nba and whatever but i mean it's as it's much as we love it it's not it's even not one there, one right? one one hundredth it, it's just so obviously these these big companies aren't seeing the return on their dollar and uh i don't know how you change that neither 
which is weird because you know supposedly fishing participation wise is like right one of the biggest sports there is but it doesn't translate into viewership right well you gotta i mean you gotta assume 75 percent of anglers across america went and bought an ugly stick at walmart and and they're just going and buying some worms and they're you know, drowning a worm underneath of a bobber that, you know, and that, that's but you the, could probably also assume that 75% of people that watch the NBA or NHL never have skated or played basketball in their lives. I'm a, that's, I'm a hundred percent of the NHL fans that have never skated in their lives. <laughs> right. right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yep, I mean, you're right. saying Scott, but like, yep, you're right. Why, why is it, you know, they, it, it comes down to like, how do you, if you think about that team format, uh, you know, the ultimate match fishing format, yep. you know, uh, some of that stuff is a lot more entertaining. There's a lot more dialogue. There's more interaction between anglers, you know, either cooperatively or ad- adversarially. Uh, you know, so I think any of that kind of stuff makes it more interesting and more relatable. And I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where this Master Cup angling, I don't know if you guys have heard of that, where they're actually going to have teams fishing this fall on top of the other circuit, and they're actually not going to be entry fees. They're going to have, like, teams sponsored by Abu Garcia. And, oh, wow. And, and things like that, so... Uh, it, it, it sounds interesting. Uh, I don't know if I really love the name Master Cup Angling, or I don't really love their branding, but I like the concept right. of what they're trying to start. Um, so maybe that's some of the evolution of the sport. There definitely needs to be some evolution because we're not gaining the uh, the eyeballs fast enough to get the money in to make the sport where we all really want to see it go. I don't think. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, Rich, do you uh, do you have any idea when uh, Bassmaster will be releasing their uh, 2024 schedule? Well, I heard a podcast with good old Ronnie today, uh, and he said, by the time, if you're hearing this, it should be very soon after it drops, and the podcast dropped today. Okay, okay so uh, hopefully sometime this week. I would think this week or next week. So, all right. Yeah, that's all speculation. Right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll blow up Facebook and say, hella bass told us so, so. <laughs> Well, Maybe we can just come up with our own schedule. Yeah, that like, ain't a bad idea. Just a suggestion for bass. This is what we feel like you guys yeah, the, should. The chambers in these towns are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Good. No. I, I hopefully, like, I don't know. It'd be cool to have them swing up this way somewhere. Like you said, lacrosse would be kind of fun to go yeah, down there. and been a while. Right, and uh, do the whole Marshall deal. And there. We've Scott and I have always talked about we want to do the Marshall thing, but we never just really just go out somewhere and do it it's like well if it comes close we'll go do it so and lacrosse would be it's killer fun to be on so that'd be kind of a cool one yeah i mean i'd love to see him you know hit some of the other pools on the mississippi you know lacrosse has gotten just absolutely throttled the last five to ten years that's for sure you know like winnebago is a pretty interesting fishery you know sturgeon bay they don't really want tournaments there relax is not uh, you know about a hundred boats you can really go a lot of places when you think about it um, you know, both we have hunter boats in our state tournaments all the time with you know co's and boaters. There's, there's like six or seven venues in Minnesota alone that can hold a hunter boat tournament. Now, if you want the the local you know chambers to pony up a bit bunch of money, I think Bass has to maybe look at like what is that value. And I don't know what they're really getting. I don't know if they're getting like twenty thousand or fifty thousand or right, but like what does that balance look like and, and can they afford to go to a few places each year that maybe they're not getting kicked in as much, but it, it makes a more dynamic schedule. I don't know that, that they have to look at it from a business standpoint. Right. Hmm. 
All right, Rich. Well, uh, I think we I think we pretty much uh, got all the forward-facing sonar uh, things figured out. Um, and I knew it was going to go down that road. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think everyone th- – there's probably a lot of people that are like, man, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about forward-facing sonar, you know, whatever. But uh, it is the biggest uh, the biggest topic in the sport right now. So uh, I don't Look, know. The I weird feel- thing is, right, like it's, it's been out for five years. And <laughs> right. We're just now talking about it, yeah, which just right. goes back to that, that whole point. You know, this is a recency bias thing with that yep. at the end of the year. just kind of made it trickle over here. Yep. Yeah. And I just – I. I hate when it something like that causes anglers to like get after other anglers. It's like we're all on the same team and we're all trying to promote the sport and stuff, but uh, it kind of gives everybody a bad eye because it's like the whole walleye cheating deal. People that don't really know the that are on the outside looking in see like this thing, like people talking about forward facing sonar. And it's like, well, it should be. It's like it's so easy to use. I mean, I could go out there and I could win tournaments by using it the way it sounds. We just kind of portray it as that thing and it kind of just kind of a black eye for all of us i mean you guys got both got garments so you guys yep. should be out there well, that's I, what i said I, I, mean, I haven't had to work for a house payment in years <laughs> <laughs> we've been quietly just like beating up the stacking, local scene and yep. stuff like that just whacking and stacking them i mean you know how that goes I need it to be dead calm out there for me to be effective. <laughs> if there's any, any bit of wind, I, I look like a drummer with one. I look like the drummer from uh, Def Leppard. I got one arm out there trying to trying to get her done. So I've never even used it on open water. So. <laughs> and actually, like, a funny story. Like, and I don't think people realize that. Like, when you first get it, like, so I had my buddy. We went out to Minnetonka on Sunday, and this was his first time. And he has 360, and you know, he, he, he's fished tournaments for years, but this is his first time ever running the boat and he's been in people in the boat with people using it but never like on the trolling motor and he was trying to out on a weed line that he a weed line that he's been on in his own boat and he's like man where, what he was so distracted and so just organized getting distracted by the, the garmin that he couldn't even stay on the weed line right no so i don't think people realize you know it's it, there's, a, there's a learning curve with it for sure right yeah. it, it to me it'd be more effective in team tournaments because i mean Hell, what one guy just run the electronics and you know with the motor and all that stuff and however you have it set up and the other guy just cast and figure out who's running who's better at which one and sharp and, shooting. <laughs> well, that's basically I mean yep. basically what you would be doing. So yep. yeah, what's the plans for the rest of the summer, Rich? You got anything uh, before ice comes? Well, I've got a few more tournaments on the river coming up here. A couple uh, one out of Prairie, one out of Winona. Maybe jump in a few other tournaments. Try to get caught up on my editing and, and get some of my tournament videos out for them a little backed up on and kids volleyball and kids soccer and work and all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. Busy busy. <laughs> There's not enough minutes in the day. I know how that goes. So all right, Rich, uh, we appreciate you joining the show and uh hopefully we'll have you on again soon. All right, thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Yeah. And that was Mr. Hellabass himself, Rich Lingren. The champion of the Midwest Angler Podcast fantasy fishing group this year. Uh, he we was got pretty a, much the champion in probably about any of right. the groups he was in. You know, game got to recognize game. Isn't that the old thing? We got to give him his credit. Yep. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't talked crap to him since uh, halfway through the season. Right. So. <laughs> uh speaking of halfway through the season how about the end of the season uh national walleye tour uh championship gets underway 
the morning that this drops, that is uh, the fifth, uh, or the sixth. Yep, Wednesday, the sixth, uh, September sixth, up in Devil's Lake, Devil's Lake, North Dakota. So uh, we'll be looking for that. Um, I went and looked. I believe of the top twelve in angler of the year. We've had five of them on the show. Well, that's not a surprise. John Hoyer, Dwayne Jelm, Eric McQuaid, uh, Will Pappenfuss, and Max Wilson. So, pretty badass. Uh, um, See a few other guys on the list that uh, I'm thinking we ought to be having on here pretty soon, but... uh, that uh, that'll be for that'll be for later. What's that old quote say? Winners win and also go on the Midwest thing. That's exactly right? what the, that the that old quote. Very common quote. That's right. Across the fishing industry, you, so you see it all over the place. Yep, shirts, uh, wallets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, neck tats only. Yep. But uh, uh, I think we're ready. Uh, Freedom Brew. Good news stories of the week. Uh, I'm gonna start off and just say, hey. Iowa Hawkeyes got the dub. It didn't look good uh, aside from the first two drives, but uh, it whatever. Like, it looked like Hawkeye football. It did. It After did. The it last, looks like I think our, we were we were all kind of like, what's what is this stuff? Like yep. holy buckets! And then they're just like, hey, Iowa fans, just to remind you, you're Iowa fans. Yep, so. exactly. It looks like the offensive line is going to be subpar once again. Yep. Um, it's looking like Brian Ferentz probably should be fired. Um, so whatever I, but like I said, a dub is a dub. I'm jacked up for that. Uh, so this week, uh, bring on Iowa state and, uh, we'll did, see what happens. Did we forget to say who the, our good news stories were brought to you? God about? dang it. I, I always like do this. Freedom? Why do I do this? Because you just get so excited about Hawkeye football. So you know who else is a Hawkeye football fan? Austin Brugman. Yep. Over at Freedom Brew, Larchwood, Iowa. Maybe I just need to let you do this from here on out. Like you you cue up right. the, it's, it's the good news salad. story. It's that salad. That's what it That's is. That's exactly salads. what See, it you're is. You're already starting to My kinda, brain like I I just the I body can't. is shut down. They're just like, where is the fuel? Oh, I I've got no I've got nothing to live live <laughs> off of anymore. I'm just my body's eating itself, and it just uh, I've got a mess going on. Now you know our rabbits are kind of half oh. you know, whacked out and running all over the place all the time. I was not meant to be an herbivore. <laughs> so, anyways, Freedom Brew, Larchwood, Iowa, the best damn coffee shop. Period. And uh, actually, uh, I think I'm going over to Okaboji this weekend, but it's not going to be until later on Saturday. So you know what I'm going to do on Saturday morning? Run over and... I'm going to go over there. I probably shouldn't because I can't imagine that the caramel frappe is like spectacular for my diet. But I don't even give a shit. But it, it might be uh, just all right if that's all you're going to have and stuff like that. And you got to treat all yourself. Day? Well, not all day. But okay, you, okay. You got to treat yourself a little bit too. Yeah, but the problem is, I'm going to get over there, and then they're going to have mini donuts and whatever, and I'm going to eat all of them, and I'm probably going to. And I don't even care. It's a Saturday. I don't even care. I'm going on Saturday. Right. Doesn't count on a Saturday. That's don't true. Count yeah. On a everyone knows that. It's in the that's Geneva diet, Convention. That's dieting 101. Yeah. Yep. That goes. Come on now. Let's be honest with you. You you know who's in the in the biggest loser competition group. 
you know some of those guys are going to partake in a few things on a Saturday. I hope so. they do. <laughs> I hope they do. Otherwise, I don't got an ice cold chance in hell. Is, it, is there an opportunity that, like the the winner of the Biggest Loser is the one that gains the less least amount of pounds? <laughs> <laughs> there could be there could be some truth to that too. I I'm just you know the, the key for me for the Biggest Loser is just not eat four cheeseburgers at a All meal. Right. You know, just like, one, even if I would just have one. Get the small caramel frappe over there at yep. Freedom Brew. Freedom Brew, Larchwood, Iowa. Get your asses over there because I freaking told you so. That's right. All right. What's your what's your good news story this well, my week? My good Matt? news story, besides the the biggest loser competition you guys all got going on, you know, that's that's awesome that you guys are trying to do that and are what do you going mean, to trying? do that. Are going what do you to mean do trying? that. I, I, I feel like that was a swipe. It wasn't a swipe. What I mean by trying is you guys are all trying hard Read between to like, the freaking lines. <laughs> to to lose that weight. And I I'm a firm believer all of you guys will. You guys will all come out healthier in the end and uh, a little bit lighter and uh i would look forward to uh being on the ice with you guys this year as a big group because uh less chance yeah. of going through. <laughs> that's right so, that's right so, so no anyways uh, i guess my other swipe my my good news story is going to be um former player of ours here at central lion and one that we don't talk about a whole lot is Rex Van Wy. He's down at Kansas State. He was able to get into the game the other day and even make himself his first tackle really? at the D1 level. Last year, he went down to Iowa Central and Fort Dodge, had a really good year there, um, and Kansas State liked what he did on the field and offered him to come down there, and he's down there uh, making the most of it right now. Hell so that's yeah. pretty awesome to see. You know, he uh, thing about Rex is that he battled a lot of injuries throughout high school. Never really, I think he had to sit out like his junior year of basketball and some of football just because he battled kind of a weird little, you know, ailment that was going on and it made him lose some weight and all that stuff. And he came back and had a great senior year and, you know, just one of those great kids that was a blast blast a coach and uh i'm glad that he's having the success that he's having now so yeah pretty solid a, pedigree his brother right played linebacker at the university of northern iowa and, and now he's now down he's, at kent state he's on the coaching staff ain't at you and i he's a linebacker coach at you and i now so yeah. i mean i'm I, I looks like i'm gonna have to buy a couple kansas state shirts now so support those kids um, that's still purple take it freaking so. easy still purple so Good god you going for al-qaeda <laughs> kansas state at least not red so well all right, uh, that's episode 232, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit whatever the hell it is that you hit on your platform, but we appreciate you. We'll see you next week, hopefully maybe with uh, NWT Angler uh, to uh, to recap the championship there. Uh, we'll see who, who uh, pulls the dub off there. But, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week on 233. Later. <laughs>